Hey guys, this is the Convinced Christianity Podcast. I'm Marcus Tatum. And today's topic is about this idea that there's a different nature of God between the Old Testament and New Testament. See, there's this idea that in the Old Testament that God is, you know, a wrathful, fire and brimstone God. And then you get to the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene and... You know, he's meek, he's humble, he's gentle, he's kind, he's loving, you know, he's healing the sick, you know, feeding people. And, you know, all of a sudden God just kind of switches up on us. Right. Um, and so this, uh, there's this idea that between the Old Testament and New Testament, that there's two different natures of God and that there may be possibly two different gods. And as a Christian, we can concede there is a difference between the Old Testament and New Testament, but not in the nature of God. The nature of God does not change. It is the same in the Old Testament. It is the same in the New Testament. We believe that his nature um, is the same today or yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what we see in the Bible. The Bible doesn't show us anything different. Um, yes, there is a difference between the Old Testament and New Testament, but it's not in the nature of God. There's a difference in the way that we interact with God. There's a, way that, in a, there's a difference in the way that we worship God. All these things are true. Um, but there's the, God's nature has not changed between the Old Testament and New Testament. And I'll give you some, um, some facts and, and supporting evidence to show that. Um, in the Old Testament, the entire narrative of the Old Testament speaks to the picture of forgiveness, of redemption and atonement, which is communicating God's love for humanity. In the Old Testament, God is giving us you know, instructions on how to be forgiven and kind of how to be atoned for, and that, you know, how to cover our sins and be pure um, and be clean. Um, he also speaks to the prophecy, speaks the prophecy, you know, of there'll be one day you guys, you know, you won't have to do this. You know, one day there'll be a permanent um, redemption, a permanent atonement. And he speaks, you know, to the future to say that someone's going to be sent, you know, for you to um, no longer have to do all these specific you know ritual type things um and that's jesus right he speaks to the prophecy that jesus is going to come he's going to die for your sins and you won't have to worry about all that so there is a difference there was intentionally a difference i mean there was a i mean that's kind of the whole point of the old testament and the new testament is that there would be a difference that there would be a difference that we now have full access to the father ourselves you know jesus made that pathway um we now uh can worship god spirit and truth and in this way that we worship him now you know we don't have to you know go into a tabernacle and you know have burnt offerings or peace offerings or you know grain offerings whatever it may be you know we don't have to kill lambs and you know sprinkle the blood over us and stuff like that we don't have to do that and why is it that's because jesus came and, and became that lamb um he he had the he gave us a permanent atonement um so there is definitely a difference we don't we don't deny that as Christians, um, we concede that, but that does not mean there's a difference in the nature of God between the Old Testament and New Testament. Um, and so that this objection comes up quite often. I mean, you even hear it, it's like embedded in our society that there is this difference. Um, you know, this isn't just some like underground, you know, objection that you hear somebody pull out of their back pocket and you've never heard it before. Like this is common. Um, it's even creeping into our our movies in Hollywood. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Gone Girl, um, but Ben Affleck's character, um, his wife, uh, fakes her death and tries to pin it on him. 
Um, and so when Ben Affleck's character is is um, describing to his attorney, you know, these vindictive acts uh, of his wife, um, the attorney responds to this description and says, oh, kind of like God, right? And Ben Affleck responds and says, yeah, Old Testament God. So this idea is like embedded in our culture, in our society, that there is this difference. Um, and it's just not true. All right. It's just not true. I mean, the last book of the Old Testament starts with the words, I have loved you. God says, I have loved you. As if to say, throughout all this time, you know, things are about to change. But throughout all this time, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, I have loved you. And that's what you see throughout the Old Testament. If you really read it, you really understand it. That's what you see. You know, this idea um, that God is different and there's different natures. It comes from what, you know, Ravi Zacharias would call a, uh, a skimming the surface theology. And, you know, unless you actually read it and, and dig for yourself and actually, I mean, you don't have to dig. If you just read the Old Testament, if you just read the Bible, you'll see that. Um, really, this type of theology comes from, you know, people that just kind of make sweeping, large sweeping statements. Um, or they'll hear like one a one-liner on TV somewhere, and they'll say, oh, that's my theology. There must be different gods in the Old Testament and New Testament. And it's just not true. That's just not the case. Um, I mean, you see in Hosea, Old Testament, right? Chapters 1 through 3 talks about um, the story of Hosea chasing after Gomer. Gomer was his wife, and his wife um, kind of went off and left him and, and went to be a prostitute. And she was being sold as a sex slave, and, and all these things were happening. And, and God tells Hosea, he says, go and love her, go find her, go take her as your wife and love her. And this picture is a picture of God and humanity. This is a picture of God and humanity. This is a story that's supposed to represent God going after his bride. God chasing us, humanity, and saying, I'm pulling you back to me. I'm, I'm, I'm reconciling our relationship. Um, you know, I want to love you. You know, I'm not just asking you to worship me and just, you know, do it out of uh, out of spite and out of, you know, obligation. But I, I want to love you and I want you to love me. Um, and that's the picture you see here. You know, we've run off and we've, you know, committed adultery against God, if you will. And God is calling us back home. Um, this is the picture that the Old Testament is painting. So I just don't it's just not true that you see a different type of God between the Old and New Testament. Um so I, I just don't get that objection. I, it, it just doesn't line up with what is actually on the pages of the Old Testament. Um, I want to read this quote from William Blake. Um, he says in this poem, uh, this is an excerpt from a poem called Fearful Symmetry. And he says, you can look into the eyes of a tiger and see majesty. You can look into the eyes of a tiger and be terrified. Which speaks perfectly to who God is. Right? I mean, we go to the zoo all the time. We look at these lions and tigers, these elephants, right? And we look, they're, they're massive. They're strong. They're powerful. And we look at them with majesty, right? We're like, wow, look at how awesome these animals are. But at the same time, we know that glass isn't there. That fence isn't there, right? That cage isn't there. We know what they can do to us, right? And there's this, that level of, like, terror. And there's a respect that we give to the lions and these these elephants and all all these other animals that like tear us limb from limb, 
because we know what they're capable of. We know that they have all power to, to like just crush us or eat us or whatever it may be. Right. And it's just the same thing with God. You know, we know he's good and he's worthy of our worship and worthy to be magnified. And he's worthy of underst of us understanding his majesty. Um, but at the same time, we understand what he's capable of. He is God. He is sovereign. He has all power in his hands. Um, and so that's, there's this level of respect that comes along with that. I also want to read this quote from Rabbi Zacharias. He says, Justice is the firmest pillar of a good government. You cannot have a God who is also unjust. And sometimes justice demands measures we will never really be happy with. So that's a good point to make here that God is just. That's a part of his nature. Okay. But in that is God's love. Right. I mean, some of the things that you see throughout the Old Testament, God is bringing his judgment down on humanity. You see it with Noah's flood. You see it. Um, with the Canaanites, you see it in Sodom and Gomorrah and all of these things, though, there's grace shown by God in it, and there's patience even shown by God here. And all of these things, it's not like God didn't give the Canaanites an opportunity to get out. Like if they flee, all right, you know, God's not going to be like, oh, go hunt them down and kill them. Like, no, God wanted them to get out of the land. And, um, they easily could have seen the Israelites come and be like, okay, well, we're going to get out of here. Um, anyone who stayed, you know, stayed, you know, you guys got destroyed. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, there's this patience even cause God is having this conversation with Abraham and Abraham's like, will you save these people? If you find, you know, 50 or 40 or 30, 20, even just 10 people, um, you know, that are, that are righteous. Will you save this city? And God says, yeah. If I find that many, I will. And he, he didn't. And But he still saved Lot and his family, which is Abraham's, uh, I believe, cousin. Um, so it's like, you don't see the grace in that. I don't know what you're looking at. You know, God is still, you know, if he's fully wrathful and just all about anger and all about uh, just can't stand humanity. I mean, why, why would he give such grace to Lot? Why would he give such grace to Abraham to even have that conversation? Abraham at a point almost says, like, who am I to even have, you know, bargain with God? Or who am I to even kind of negotiate with God? Um, and it's true. It's just, I mean, that in itself is just God's mercy and God's grace. Um, so this idea that, you know, God, again, is, is just a vengeful, wrathful person is ridiculous. And if you ever come across someone that, that kind of gives this objection, um, I mean, ask them, which book specifically in the Old Testament? Because, I mean, Isaiah, where it says that God was wounded for our afflictions and bruised for our iniquities. You know, love those who we want to despise. You know, so it's just to love our neighbor. I mean, it's just not true. It's just not in the pages of the Old Testament that God is vengeful and wrathful and that he's got a different nature. I mean, we see that same God in the New Testament. He just comes onto the scene, takes on flesh. Um, and he works among us. Um, I mean, people like Richard Dawkins has, have been making these large sweeping statements about God, um, for decades. And I just want to read you, uh, one of his quotes, just, just to give you an idea of what this ideology is and how people think about it, how people have just accepted this type of theology, um, and Richard Dawkins says in his book, the, the God Delusion, he says this, 
The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Of course, he says it's fiction. He says, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, and vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, sadomasochistic bully. <laughs> That's Richard Dawkins. He... Uh, does not hold back, obviously. Um, but this, this this idea is just, again, it's a skimming of the surface theology. Um, he hasn't actually really, I'm not even going to say he hasn't done his research. Okay, because this is Richard Dawkins. I think in his attempt to disprove Christianity, he's done his research. I thought, I honestly think he just does not want to concede uh, what the evidence shows. Um, so I just want you guys to understand that what this ideology is and, you know, I've just given you, you know, what the, your response to it can be. Cause I mean, it, it's just not true. And if you go through the pages of the old Testament, you can, you know, build your own, um, response to this objection. You know, you'll, you'll easily find, uh, the nature of God in the old Testament is the same, um, of, as the new Testament. And lastly, um, it's a form of worship matter. It's not a nature of God matter. It's a form of worship matter. And, Hosea 3, 5, and I'm paraphrasing, um, says something like this. The Lord shall be their God, speaking of the Israelites, and in the latter days, they shall fear God's goodness. So to me, that speaks that there was a time where the worship that was given to God wasn't out of this posture of, uh, oh God, you've been so good to me. God, you've loved me and, and you've provided for me. But it was out of this posture of, God is Yahweh. He is who he is. And I'm going to submit to him just because he is God. You know, we don't get to choose our God. He just happens to be God. And so I'm going to serve him. Um, that's kind of how, how the worship, in my opinion, uh, how that worship was. I mean, it doesn't mean that there wasn't um, a love there. It doesn't mean that God didn't love them and that for that, you know, they didn't love God back. But this worship, you know, out of, I mean, just look at the, the intentional specifics of the worship. Like God instructed them to specifically build a tabernacle to these specific measurements and wear these specific things and to do worship and offering in a very specific way. And it's almost as if God's just saying, understand who I am. Understand who I am and understand your place. Um, even in the New Testament, uh, Jesus corrects the perception of the Sadducees, uh, which their perception is driven by ethnic prejudice. Um, and he says, you do not know the scriptures. As if it says, you do not understand the scriptures. Like, you've got it all wrong. And, and so Jesus is correcting them to understand. And again, this is the Old Testament. Understand the scriptures Jesus is talking about is the Old Testament. You know, they didn't have a New Testament then. Like, Jesus is the New Testament. So, like, he's, they're reading the Old Testament. And Jesus is telling them, you do not understand the scriptures. You know, you've got it all wrong. Um, and so Jesus, is, is, there's this moment of where Jesus is like, you you're not really understanding What's going on here? Um, so you see him correct some, you know, these perceptions. And as you're responding to these claims and objections, you know, it presents a problem for the person that's making the objection. Because you can ask, what is wrong with God being racist or misogynistic or sexist, you know, etc. Um, because in a naturalistic worldview, there is no absolute truth. You know, there's no absolute truth that says, you know, these things are wrong. Um, and what they're doing is they're actually stealing from God. They're actually stealing an absolute moral law from God, who, who they're saying doesn't exist. 
and they also say there is an absolute truth, but they're actually stealing an absolute moral law from God and using it to try and say that the one who created this moral law doesn't exist. So it, it really just doesn't work on their end. They're, you know, Ravi Zacharias says it this way. He says, they're using a measuring tool, which they, by their own worldview, should have disavowed from the very beginning. And all this condemnation assumes something they do not have the luxury of assuming. So I'll end it there. Um, this is the Convinced Christianity Podcast. I'm Marcus Tatum. I hope you guys will check back for our next podcast.